I've got some, I've got some special water here. Special water. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to Prescott Valley Bible Church. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I have some, some special water here. It's not ordinary water. In fact, in fact, I want you to tell me what this water is. So here, take a good look at it from where you're sitting. Take a good look at it. Can everybody see that? Now at the count of three, I want you to just say out loud, everybody say out loud, what water this is. You ready? Everybody ready? You think you're ready? One, two, three. Well, a lot of different answers, right? We had a lot of different answers. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. This is 100% pure Lynx Lake water. Lynx Lake water. 100% of Lynx Lake is in this bottle. It's all Lynx Lake. Now you're watching this or you're hearing me and you're going, well, wait a minute. That's not all of Lynx Lake. No, this is not, of course, all of Lynx Lake. But it's all Lynx Lake. There's 100% of Lynx Lake. There's nothing purified in it. There's nothing in it to make the flavor change. And I haven't tasted it. But there's nothing in it that, that is a preservative. It's 100% Lynx Lake. Now, for those of you who don't know what Lynx Lake is, Lynx Lake is a beautiful lake up here in Prescott, and it's, it, they have uh, campgrounds there. There's picnic areas. There's, uh, I sound like one of those, uh, come to Prescott, right? It's, it's picnic areas, barbecues, and all of that stuff, and it's just a beautiful place surrounded by woods, and it's really cool. But here's what I want you to know. Today, we're, we're in part two of this message series titled The Holy Ghost, The Holy Ghost. Now, uh, the reason why I did that water thing showing you that it's 100% Lynx Lake in there, because here's the deal. God lives in the hearts of the believers. He lives inside of you, and he lives inside of me. Now, does all of God live in me? Well, no. All of God doesn't live in me because he lives in you. He lives in each one of you who are in Christ today. He lives in each one of you. Did I say he lives in each one of you? He lives in each one of you. But here's what I want you to know. The God Holy Spirit that's living within me is 100% God's Holy Spirit. It's undiluted. It's, it's, not, it's not a little bit of it. It's, it is completely full. And here's what I want you to know. Here's the good news. Here's the scary part if you've never heard this before. If you have Christ in your life, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have power in the name of Jesus. There's power in our name. In the name of God, through Jesus' name, blind eyes will see. Crippled people will walk. The deaf will hear. So when you hear that happening, don't go, Pshh. how's that? I do that right? Pshh. Yeah, right. Because the power of God is living in you. I love how Paul says He's this. I love what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Spirit of God dwells in you. Let's pray. Well, dear Heavenly Father, as we start our message today, Father, I, I, I feel a, a fire building up within me. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to, to share this message today your way, full of your truth. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are hearing the message today because people today who are watching from home, maybe here today, are battling one challenge after another, maybe one trial after another. And the good news is the Spirit of God lives within you. So touch the Spirit of God and bring him into your situations because God is powerful. And so, Lord, we thank you now for this day and this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we, we talked about in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we saw the Holy Spirit was something that moved from person to person. So the Holy Spirit would come, would go to Scott, would rest on Scott, and then Scott would do God's work, and then he would move away and go on to Sue, and Sue would do God's work, and then go to Ron, and then and he would just move around. And so the good thing is, wow, the Holy Spirit is on me. Wow. But then the bad news is he just left. You know, that kind of thing. Then Jesus came, and we talked about this last week. He came, died, resurrected. He found himself in a place where he was getting ready to ascend. Brings his disciples in, says, see ya, I'm leaving. That's not a good conversation especially if you've been following him for three years. And now he's saying, see you, I'm leaving. I have to go because the Holy Spirit is going to come and indwell in you. You see, uh, the Holy Spirit no longer lives in buildings or no longer travels from one to another. He lives in the hearts of the believers. He lives within each of us. And I'm thankful for that. I praise God for that every day. Because I can't imagine a life not being directed by God. I can't imagine not having someone I could talk to every day. You see, he's always available. Now, you may try to call me, and maybe you can't get me at once, first time. But I know someone you could talk to who you could get every time. His name is Jesus. Now, I'll call you back. I mean, I will call you back. But you get what I'm saying. You see, the Holy Spirit is present in one of our lives. Now, as we begin this morning, for those of you who are watching from home, we're going to be jumping, while well, you two here, we're going to be jumping around from one verse to another for a few verses. So if, you don't, if you're not quick with the Bible, it'll be on your screen down here, and if it's not quick with your Bible, it'll be on the screen here. Judges 14.6, it says this, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his hands. Who is he talking about? David, right? Tore the lion apart with his hands and tore and might have torn a young goat. Now here's the part I like. But he told neither his father or his mother what he had done. Don't you love that? He went and did this, and he don't. So kids, here's the lesson. If you end up tearing a lion apart or a lamb, don't tell your parents. I could just see, I could just see his parents going out to the garage. What did you do? Your mother won't understand any of this. She won't get this. Now look, Samson, what's wrong with you? Samson. Samson. 1 Samuel 16, 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brother. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon who? David. That was David. Came powerfully on David. You see, the Holy Spirit moved from one place to another, from one person to another. Isaiah chapter 11 says this, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding and of understanding, the spirit of counsel 
and of might. Now, my Bible says might. Your Bible might say power, but it says it's power. And the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is talking about Jesus, how this is resting upon him. Luke chapter 1, we're seeing an angel talk to Mary. And, and here's how that conversation goes. Uh, she's about to have this baby. And he says this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overcome you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Do you notice that in every verse I'm showing you, it's talking about the power of God coming upon you. Coming upon you. Ordinary people. Ordinary people following God. Luke 4.14 Jesus returned to Galilee in a power... In, a, in the powerful, in the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread through the whole countryside. The power was present. Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus talks about what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes on his disciples. The same thing happens to you and I. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive, what's that word? Power. When, you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see, your verse is a little different. It says, the power will come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Prescott Valley, in Prescott, in, in Phoenix, and, and throughout the world. You see, you're going to have power that comes upon you. Here's the first bullet point in your notes. The first bullet point in your notes. The Holy Spirit equals power in your life. The Holy Spirit equals power in your life. So when you hear that, normally I would just say, so thanks for watching, goodbye. But I'm not going to say that, sorry. The question is, the question is, in what way should a person expect the Holy Spirit to display his power in our lives? How should we expect him to do that? What should we see happening in our lives? I mean, what evidence should be that, that in Christ, that the power of God is inside of them? What can we look at? And I want to put together some ways to you for you today. I want to show you some ways. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit gives believers the power to speak and lead boldly. The power to speak and lead boldly. Now, I love telling this story, and I'm glad some of you here today haven't heard this, but if you have heard it already, I'm sorry I'm telling it again. When I was a kid growing up, just a young just a kid, I was short when I was a kid, just a little short kid. And you know what I would do? I'd come home from school, I'd run in the house as fast as I could, and my mom every day from school had the same thing on the table, three chocolate chip cookies and a glass of milk. Now, here's Andy's plan. I was a speed eater. My job was to get in there, eat those cookies as fast as I could, drink that milk, and then grab my fishing pole and my, my uh, basket because I was going to catch, like, huge fish, you know? And we lived right down the street from the ocean. I'd run outside with my basket, everything, everything that I had in me, all my stuff down the block, and here it was. Here it was. This dog that was in the front yard, I mean, this dog was like seven feet tall, about 500 pounds. 
You know what those dogs look like, right? I think you have one of those. It's one of, those, it's one of these dogs that are big dogs. And when you're a little kid, they look seven feet tall, 500 pounds. So I'm going, and this dog, and, and this dog is between me and the ocean to go fishing. And he didn't want me to go. He wanted me to come over for dinner. Oh. Keep it there for a minute. So I go back to the house. And my dad says, what are you doing? I thought you were going fishing. Well, I was going to, but I decided not to. And he says, what's up? How come you're not going fishing? And I said the perfect kid answer. You ready? I said, I don't know. Did the kids ever say that to you? I don't know. Get ready. She's going to say, I don't know. And he goes, okay, you don't know. How come you're not going fishing? I says, well, there's this big dog down there, and I, I don't want to go. And he says, grab your pole, grab your basket or whatever it's called, and let's go. So we come outside, and I start, I start walking the other way because we can go around the block and not go by the dog. And he starts walking towards the dog. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And we're walking, and we're walking, and here's the dog. The dog is like right there, and we're across the street from the dog. And you know what happened? I became bold for some reason. I was walking with my father. You see, I had the ability. You know what I did? That's what I did to the dog. I looked at the dog and I stuck my tongue at the dog. And, and, and my dad says, don't do that again. <laughs> We're not looking for trouble. But here's, here's really how it made me feel. You see that? That's how I felt. Like I was with this bigger than life person. This this. Today I relate it to God. But this God that's bigger than anything that comes around me, and he's walking with me. And friends, look, if you have the Holy Spirit in you today, if you're in Christ today, you don't have to worry about if God is with you or not. He's walking with you. Does that make sense? Amen? Okay, good. I said that for... You ameners out there who won't amen unless I bring you to it. You see, here's what I know. God, through his Holy Spirit, gives us boldness. It gives us the ability to lead, to step out, because there's amazing power that's just in you wanting to get out. God has this power in each of us that he wants to just let out. In, in Acts chapter 4, there's a guy named Peter who's preaching throughout the book of Acts. And Peter is getting more bold every day. In fact, Peter and his buddies were out on the, on the trail, let's just say, and they healed a crippled guy. They healed a crippled guy. And so he gets arrested. Peter gets arrested. Peter's arrested because he's talking about Jesus and he's healing the crippled guy. And he's standing before what you and I would call the Supreme Court of today. Here are the religious leaders. He's standing in front of them and they want to ask him some questions and here's what he says. Acts 4, verses 8 through 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, 
that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. You get that one? Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men doing powerful things for God, speaking boldly. Now, your first thought is, well, that's it. They're dead. They're done. Peter's gone. These guys are going to kill him. And they let him go. They let him go. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel or do you ever feel you need the power to speak boldly to people or to lead boldly to people? Ever feel like God is kind of prompting you or leading you to talk to somebody and you kind of back up a little bit? Not me. You find yourself sitting in a, in a, in a uh, Starbucks with somebody and somehow the conversation gets turned towards God and then do you sit there and go man I wish Pastor Andy would walk in the door right now you know what I'm saying because he'll have the answers he'll know what to do but here's what you have to know that God has created that opportunity that is a divine appointment and he wants to speak boldly through you he wants to use us to lead others truth is that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to have comfort during pain, to have comfort during our troubles. Here's the second point. The Holy Spirit gives believers the power to endure suffering and pain. I tell you that in the last year, the last year, I've done more funerals than I would ever want to do. And I see people, and I see them who have lost people that they love deeply, deeply love. And I look at them, and there's a peace that's over them, even though they're in their trials. They're in a time of suffering. And all I can think is when I see that, all I can think of is the reason why you're able to endure this so well is because the Holy Spirit is comforting you during your time of suffering, to during your time of pain, during this time of amazing trials. So the disciples had these, this church in Acts that was just growing. It was growing tremendously. And the 12 disciples were overworked and they couldn't do it anymore. They had, they had a problem. And so they prayed and, and there were some more uh, disciples that were created, more, more helpers that came on. And one of, those, one of those people was named Stephen. Stephen. Talks about him in Acts chapter 6. Now Stephen accepted the Lord and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and almost right away he began preaching and laying hands on people and praying for people and doing all of those things and guess what? He was arrested. He was arrested again. Now, not again. He was arrested like Peter was. 
He found himself in this place, and now Stephen is preaching boldly, just like Peter did. He came across these guys again, these, these uh, Supreme Court guys or the religious leaders of that day. And here's what happens. Acts 7, 54 through 60. When the members of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, heard this, that what they were doing, they were furious, gnashing their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw, saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Uh, look, he said, I, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At, at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. And they all rushed him. Dragging him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That sounds familiar, right? Lord, forgive them for what they have done, right? It's, it's that same thing. He was following Christ. Now listen, I doubt that any of us will suffer the pain will suffer the trials that Stephen did. We won't, we won't have that in our lives. Prayerfully, we don't. But, but the truth is, people are suffering. People are having problems today. They're experiencing pain. They're experiencing suffering, and, and we all do that. And that's just part of being human. But the truth is, we have someone who sees us through our suffering. I'm just amazed at the suffering people go through, but yet they put their faith in God, that they walk in the truth, in the battles that they face. You see, every day in our lives, you and I have the ability to uh, be guided by the Holy Spirit or not. You see, young people, I think of young people, and I think, man, if you're high school or junior high school age, you really have an opportunity to either follow and be guided by the Holy Spirit or not. Think about their lives. Think about what's happening now with young people. I mean, kids have conversations that are life-changing and they're not little conversations it's, it's uh, what do you mean that you're not going to have sex till you're married everybody's doing that no they're not no they're not well, but what do you mean that you're not going to to cheat on a test everybody cheats on the test I mean, it's done all over. No, it isn't. This is the battle that they face. What do you mean you're going to go out and you're going to tell your parents what you're doing? Don't tell them. It's, it's part of life. You're supposed to see what you can get away with. No, it's not. It's not like that at all. But you see, this is the battle that people have to face. Young people have to face this all the time. And the truth is that God empowers us to be able to live through suffering, to endure suffering 
and pain in our lives. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability or gives the believers understanding, I should say. The Holy Spirit gives believers understanding. Christ followers have understanding. You have understanding of the truth of God, of the word of God. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you won't ever understand. Everybody just freaked out right now who's watching from home. Because here's what they say. Well, wait a minute. I understood everything that you said. When I read the Bible, I read and I can understand what it says there and I can understand it and I don't have the Holy Spirit in me and I'm not a Christian. So what do you think of that? Well, the answer to that is this. There's a difference between knowledge in our head and transforming knowledge. You see, we could understand maybe something that we're reading about God and not have God in our lives. But it's never going to transform our lives until we have the Holy Spirit in our lives that transforms us. Does that make sense? You see, I'm not putting people down. I'm saying just knowing it in your head has nothing to do with transforming you from the inside out. We know plenty of things, but if we don't allow it to change us, if we don't allow the one who changes us to come in, then we're not going to change. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 15. Now, now here, this is kind of long, but it's not really. It just sounds like it. 9 through 15. It says this. That is what it's meant by the scripture which say that so mere men has ever seen. This is the living translation. Or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has already for us for those who love him those who love the Lord. But we know about these things because God has sent his spirit to tell us. And his spirit searches out and shows us all of God's deepest secrets. No one could really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is, all, what he is really like except the person himself. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Verse 12. And God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, to tell us about the wonderful free gift of grace and the blessings that God has given us. In telling you about these gifts, we have even used the very words given to us by the Holy Spirit, meaning it wasn't done by man. Not words that were as men might choose. So we use the Holy Spirit's words to explain the Holy Spirit fact. But the man who isn't a Christian can't understand and can't accept these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound foolish to him because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. But the spiritual man has insight into everything and that brothers and and that and that bothers and baffles the man of the world who can't understand him at all when you talk about the holy spirit speaking to you this morning al got up here and said god was speaking to him the holy spirit was speaking to him 
you and I, we nod our heads because we know what that means. But to the world, they say, look at that young guy up there. He's kind of wacky. You're not wacky, Al. They just don't understand. You see, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about to those who don't know him, this is all kind of strange. It's all kind of, it's, it's hocus pocus. It's the, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. And it li he lives in the hearts of the believers. You see, You must have him in your life to truly understand his word. Last week, I said this. It's not difficult to live the Christian life. It's impossible unless you have the Holy Spirit in your life. You just can't do it. You see, it requires the understanding. It requires the empowerment, the power that God has put in you to be able to understand fully and to allow him to change your life. Here's the fourth and final point. Fourth and final point. The Holy Spirit gives believers leadings and promptings in their lives. Leadings and promptings in their lives. Now, I want, you to be, I want you to be careful about this, or I want you to know about this. That Have you ever had a time in your life when you feel like God was putting it on your heart to talk to somebody or to call somebody out of nowhere? You know? Uh, I really feel like I need to call Larry. I don't know why. I just need to do it. Oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, what am I going to say when I call him? Just do it, right? If, you, if God is putting that on your heart, to just call this person and say hi. And then you call Larry. And Larry says, you know, I was hoping that you would call. Because I'm kind of down right now. And then you encourage Larry. And you get off the phone and you go, wow. That has to be God. Because in the world would say, well, that's my conscience talking. It's not. It's not. I heard a story of this guy uh, uh, who was a reporter for a newspaper. Worked for this newspaper office in Chicago, and he left there to go to work for another newspaper company. And he had this burning desire in him that he needed to go back to his old place of work. Not to go to work, but he had a good friend that worked there, and God was putting it on his heart that he had to go see this guy and share God's word with him, share what had happened, because he became saved after he left, right, that place. So he goes, and he goes to this office, and they have all these cubicles all around, goes to, anyone on, sit down. And while he's there, you know, they're, they're doing construction in the place. There's hammering. There's everything else. They're tearing walls down. They're laying tile. They're doing all this stuff all at the same time. And he's talking to this friend of his, and he's talking really loud. He's talking loud because of all the noise that's going on. And his friend is sitting there, and he didn't want to do this in the first place, this true story. And he's talking to this guy, and he talked to him for about 30 to 40 minutes. After he got done, the guy looked at him like it was no big deal. He would rather have talked about the football game last weekend than the conversation he had with him. This guy's pouring his heart out, telling him how Christ changed his life, and the guy's just sitting there. So... This guy says, okay, I'll see you later, buddy. And he leaves the building, and he decides, when I get outside, I'm going to have a little talk with Jesus. And he gets outside, and he goes, now what was that all about? 
You, you put it on me. You haunted me, Lord. You wanted me to go see this guy, and I, I fought you, and I fought you, and I went, and I did it, and he sat there, and he looked at me like I was a crazy person, and when we got done, I just walked away, and what's wrong? Did you lead me there or not? Or did I just have bad pizza last night, and I just felt something in my stomach? Well, a couple of months went by, and he's at church because he goes to church every, every Sunday, you know. And he's at church, and some guy comes up to him that's a stranger. And he says, hey, hey, didn't you work for that newspaper? He goes, yeah. He says, thank you for sharing Jesus with me. And he looks at the guy, and he says, sharing... I think you have the wrong person because I don't know you. He goes, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do know me. You were over there. You went over there about two months ago to talk to some guy in his cubicle, right? And he says, well, yeah, I did. He says, and you were telling him about how God changed your life, how God was moving in your life, and, and he wasn't really having it too much, but here's what you need to know. I was about 15 feet away from you laying tile on the floor, and I heard every word that you said, and I went home that night, and I got down on my knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. You see, the deal is, you and I, when God tells us stuff to do, when he puts it on our hearts to do something, there's no such thing as a small thing or a big thing. And there's no such thing as, I have to see something, something miraculous better happen when I'm stepping out because then it means God's not working. But the truth is this, God worked. God changed a person's life from something small like just sharing your faith. And he changed a person's life for eternity, for eternity. You see, friends, listen, here's the deal. When God puts something on your heart, if he leads you to do something, just to call somebody. I want this church, I want us to be a place that is sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want us to be people, when God tells us something, we don't say, are you sure? We just say, I'm doing it now. I see that happening. I see that happening around me all the time, and I love that. It's amazing, because here's what you need to know. Tomorrow, when you leave your house, God has a divine appointment along the way, and he's going to want you to do something. Now he's just going to say, are you going to do it or not? The truth is, who am I to say whether what God is asking me to do is a big deal or isn't a big deal? The truth is that even if it's something small, or appears to be something small. It's not my job to say, okay, I'll do that when I get around to it. I have to say, yes, I'll do that, and I'm gonna do it when? Now. Here's the challenge as we leave our message today. I wanna to thank you for listening today because it was a little bit of a tough one if you've listened through it. Uh, here's what I wanna encourage you to do this week, number one thing, obey one leading or prompting from the Holy Spirit this week. Obey one leading or prompting. When you go to work, when you find yourself in the store, if God puts it on your heart to say something to someone, if he puts it on your heart to call someone you haven't talked to in a long time, if he, if he, whatever he's asking you to do, will you just do it this week? Will you just say yes? And don't pretend you didn't hear it. Or is that really God? Don't do any of those things. Just do it, right? I like that Nike commercial, right? Is that what that is? Just do it.
And I guarantee you this. You might find that you get more than you bargain for. You might find that you have the ability to change someone's life who's standing next to you in a department store. So don't let it fool you because you're at Kohl's or you're at Penny's or wherever it is that you go. Every place is an opportunity. There's always something going on. Let me ask you a question. As we close our service today, we have one more message in this series. It's one you don't want to miss because it is about how God moves in our world today. And let me tell you, he is going to move mightily. But how are you today? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is he the way, the only way to heaven? Is he the only way? Because if you say that there's another way, here's what I want you to know, and I want you to hear me. I'm not saying this mean. You're not a Christ follower. You know him in your head, but you don't have him in your heart. Because if you're a Christ follower, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. I'm it. I'm the one you want. I'm the one you're looking for. There's no one else. How's that? Does that get the point across? So if you're watching today, if you're here today, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, make this the day. Make this the prompting, the leading on your heart and ask him to come in. I want to invite you to pray with me. Repeat after me if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I accept you now as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to be up there today. So if anyone needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray with you right over here, okay? You come.
Well, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that indwells in the hearts of the believers. So, Father, as we leave this place today, help us to be led by you. Help us to walk boldly, walk in the power that you have given us. Guide and direct us. Use us this week, and we give you the glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here.